0: Hi, I'm John.
1: And I'm Julie.
0: We're the hosts of the Hartford Fund's Human Centric Investing Podcast.
1: Every other week, we're talking with inspiring thought leaders to hear their best ideas for how you can transform your relationships with your clients.
0: Let's go. Welcome to a special edition of the Human Centric Investing Podcast. You know, with news of the Federal Reserve meeting recently, Uh, to decide the direction of interest rates, pauses, so on and so forth. I thought, who better to have on the podcast today than Amar Raganti? Amar is managing director at Wellington Management and also the fixed income strategist for us here at Hartford Funds. And so, Amar, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me on again, John. So, Amar, I think you know everyone kind of expected a pause in the Fed rate rate hikes in June, which is what happened. But Chairman Powell was pretty specific about the fact that uh, that this pause applied only to the June rate meeting, uh, not necessarily July or any other time this year. So, as we kind of look into the crystal ball, if you will, what was the biggest insight that you took away from his comments?
1: Yeah. Well. well- you're absolutely right, uh, Chairman Powell and the FOMC uh, left the Fed funds policy rate and its target unchanged uh, during this most recent meeting of the uh, of the committee. Uh, but you know what also came out, as as you mentioned, is the hawkishness of the statement and the and the press conference that followed. Uh, in it, uh, Chairman Powell stated that the majority of the members of the FOMC believe that there needs to be additional tightening. Uh, over the course of this year. And what was alluded to was uh, how strong uh, and resilient the U.S. economy has been, which has turned out to be a surprise for many people, given the fact that we've had almost 500 basis points uh, of hikes since the hiking cycle started.
0: Well, and I think those comments caught people a little bit by surprise, maybe a little bit more hawkish than people were thinking. I mean, prior, earlier in the year, people were talking about maybe even a rate cut by the end of this year, which I guess is not out of the question, but how do you think the markets reacted to that news or that hawkishness, if you would?
1: So from our perspective, we thought markets were a little uh, overly optimistic this year uh, in terms of, of getting a rate cut from the Fed. Uh, you know, We were clearly far away from, from the 2% target rate in core PCE that the Fed has been really looking for, and Powell said a number of times that more progress needs to be made. Uh, you know, while you know the markets obviously uh, pushed out any thought of a cut till nearly the end of the year, beginning of next year now, uh, and that was the most immediate reaction. Uh, but what the Fed has really done is almost preserve optionality, John. Uh, they've paused to really kind of you know take stock of the cumulative rate hikes and their impact and they'll have a bit more data by the time the next meeting comes Uh, at the same time you know they've signaled to markets that right now they would be thinking there needs to be you know uh, more tightening to come Uh, and that way you know there hasn't been an exuberant reaction from markets which is something the fed might have been afraid of because it would have possibly Uh, help derail a little bit of the deflationary impulses that that we've started to start see creep into the data.
0: Well, Mar, I think, you know, whenever I think about it, I'm always like, boy, I'm glad it's their job and not mine. They seem to be kind of walking along the edge of this cliff where on one side, you've got inflationary pressures. On the other side, you've got economic concerns in terms of the, the business cycle. I think a lot of investors may be concerned about the Fed making a policy mistake, right? If you, if you think out there that, that the news is all over the place, soft landing, hard landing, when's it going to happen, so on and so forth. How concerned do you think investors should be about the Fed making a policy mistake, uh, given kind of what we heard early on about transitory inflation and that turned out not to be exactly right? So uh, what are you thinking about that?
1: Tomorrow. Well, well, clearly, it's it's still far more of an art than a science. The the, the role of central banking um, in economic management, uh, historically speaking, uh, you know, we in these tightening cycles, there have been you know, what we would kind of refer to as policy mistakes. And and what do we what do we mean by that? We mean the Fed tightens so much uh, that rates go to a level that is not sustainable for economic growth, and uh, we effectively end up in, in recessionary conditions. And the Fed's other mandate, uh, you know, employment conditions weakens dramatically past the point of what they consider acceptable. So that's the type of policy mistake people are worried about right now. Like that, that's you know front and center, and that's exactly why this pause makes so much sense. Like a pause, or I don't want to use the word pause. A skip is is far more likely. Uh, where they skipped at this meeting. And they'll assess. And then right now, they would say on balance, they'll probably need to hike again before before the end of the year. Uh, This is in line with what I'll call a very measured pace of of like the tweaking of, of the policy rate. We had, you know, and Powell said this, we started out this tightening cycle with 75 basis point hikes. Then we went to 50. And then we're doing 25. And as you sort of slow the pace of those hikes in in terms of the size, it does make sense to get to a point where you, you assess, right? Because what you don't want is all of a sudden, all of those hikes start hitting the economy almost cumulatively at the same time, and you're still in the mode of like, you need to continue to hike. So that's what they're concerned about, that that lag in monetary policy hits all at once. And because of that, uh, they're being very judicious, and uh, that's why you know we we say this is a, a really data driven Fed. It's going to look meeting by meeting at the incremental data that's coming out to see whether or not they're achieving their goals.
0: So, Mar, we we hear a lot about you know what indicators they may be looking at, but really, when you think, obviously, inflation is a big one, and yeah. and whether it's their their rate hikes have had impact on inflation, but when you look at other indicators like housing and employment, which typically lag a little longer, um, do you think they're seeing indications that their their policy is working to this point? They're just as much as they can trying to fine tune it. Like what's going on from your perspective in, in housing and maybe other areas of the credit markets?
1: Uh, well, uh, you know, housing has traditionally been one of the most interest rate sensitive parts of, of the U.S. economy, um, and it, it has reacted toward uh, the, the Fed rate hikes and just the overall higher rate environment. Uh, you're, you're just not seeing you know, the production of new mortgages that you would normally see at this point in time. And there's a direct link in, you know from, from mortgage rates to the purchase of a home. But housing is not as sensitive as it used to be. Uh, pre-financial crisis, a substantial portion of the US housing market was financed uh, via adjustable rate mortgages or some type of floating rate mortgages. Because of financial stability concerns, you know, that's a much smaller portion of the overall mortgage market. Uh, and because of that, a, a significant portion of the you know, US population that owns homes locked in 30-year fixed rate mortgages prior to rates moving up. So for those people, it, you know, rate hikes don't mean a whole lot, right? I mean, so people at, at that point only really begin to sell houses when they absolutely need to, whether it's because they're moving, etc., cetera, or, or need to upsize or downsize, depending on what conditions are going on. So that that makes, you know, the sensitivity of that sector far more sticky in, in the overall economy than it used to be. The second, I mean, so, but the portion that, that Powell, you know, mentioned again and again and again, Uh, during the press conference was softness in the labor market. So this is the thing, you know, aside from looking at the core uh, inflation numbers, what the Fed is really looking for is to see some type of softness in the overall labor market. Now, uh, you know, critics uh, of Chair Powell might say, well, that must mean recessionary conditions. But Powell is like somewhat explicit. He's like, I think we will have done a good job if we can allow the labor market to just grad, to cool, just not to be as scorching as it has been over the last few years, and if if we can do that, uh, and then you know growth moderates, you know you you might see, and he didn't use this phrase, but it, it certainly sounds like what what we would call a soft landing, right, where you might have a bit softer employment conditions, uh, growth moderates, and inflation makes significant progress. Doesn't have to be too right away. But over the next several years, make significant progress of getting toward that, too.
0: Amar, in such a tight labor market, we hear a lot about the U.S. consumer. And what, to this point, has been the strength of the U.S. consumer, probably because that labor market has been so strong. But do you think we're starting to see any dents in the armor there? Are we starting to see any any indication that these rate hikes are beginning to impact consumer choices?
1: So, um, uh, it, it, you're, you're absolutely right. This has been uh, an extraordinarily resilient consumer. Um, this is not the consumer of 2008 and 2009. This is a consumer that started what I'll call that pre-COVID era and during COVID, uh, you know, significantly delevered without as much debt as they had you know, pre-financial crisis. And then additionally, were able to build up significant amounts of excess savings during uh, you know the, the the sort of peak part of COVID, so uh, you know they it, it, once you know the economy opened back up, this consumer was able to consume with almost a vengeance, right? Like all the pent up sort of demand that had been there, and they did do that for goods, you know, during COVID, and that you know obviously started shifting it into into services. Um, so. Uh, it, it it will it can take a while for that consumer to feel almost sated, sort of and part of the reason why the consumer has been able to spend so confidently is that the labor market is tight. I.e., people are very comfortable with their employment situation; they're comfortable with with their wages. Uh, and even though inflation was running high those years, uh, they themselves felt like they were in a pretty good position. Um, so so they consumed. You know you you are seeing some moderation of that, but but the data is very mixed. Uh, the, the most recent set of retail sales numbers we got uh, exceeded, you know, the survey expectations, but we are starting to see a little bit of moderation in, in a number of things. And, uh, you know, a, a statistic Powell had cited before, the employment cost index, still high, but directionally moving lower. We're starting to see some wages moderate. Uh, you know, we the, the most recent labor numbers that came in uh, here in June uh, are, are a bit weaker, continuing claims and so on. So we're we're starting to see a little bit of weakness. Probably not. Uh, it's not enough data to convince Powell uh, or the FOMC that that we're there yet. Uh, but but directionally, uh, it's probably the right way. Now the question is what the pace of that is, right? And what you don't want is one or two bits of data. Uh, you know impacting the FOMC and then them deciding to pause or take all rate cuts off the table because they're worried they'll just kickstart that economic activity again by signaling dovishness or help kickstart the economic
0: activity again. So Mark, going to switch back to inflation again for a moment, just in a couple of minutes that we have left. And uh, we know that generally speaking, the Fed's target inflation rate has been around 2%. Um, And let's say that their current policy begins to be effective right and we start to see you know inflation kind of weaning off a little bit from where it is do you think there's a scenario where maybe we get not to two but to two and a half or two and a quarter where they would say hey you know close enough uh we don't want to overshoot it kind of what do you think happens when some of the success in the battle against inflation begins to take place
1: yeah. So it's important to remember the Fed has a dual mandate here. Um, and that's inflation and, and employment conditions. So right now the Fed views them out of whack, right? Like it's done, you know, in theory from an economic management perspective, uh, it's, it's met its employment mandate, but its inflation mandate is, is on the other hand, you know, far away from its target. So what the Fed is seeking is to get that closer, you know, in balance. So if we get closer to two, or have made significant progress toward two uh, and employment conditions start weakening and they start weakening substantially. Well, at that point, the Fed is looking at its dual mandates, probably being in balance. And it doesn't want to probably at that point dogmatically skew to making sure we're at two at the cost of its other mandate. I mean, it really is important. It's it's two mandates. At times in history, it seems like it's just one mandate, but that's not the case. Uh, so, if you think about, you know, the, how the FOMC has to consider this, they have to see like which one is further from their goal, right? Like, what's employment conditions versus sort of a full employment world, uh, and what is, you know, the inflation rate relative to the two percent target. And as you know, inflation comes down, and as they think there's a softening of labor conditions. At that point, they have to make a far more balanced set of choices than just looking specifically at two. But for communications purposes, you know, they believe their credibility comes from saying 2% and really adhering to that in the near term, given how far away we are from that.
0: Kind of reminds me of approaching a traffic light and trying to figure out when to start braking, given the momentum that you have, right? So, uh, Right.
1: And imagine the momentum of a 22 plus trillion dollar economy
0: behind you, right? <laughs> That's a big truck to stop. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so, hey, Amar Ragante, I can't thank you enough for sharing your insights with our listeners today. And uh, I really appreciate you coming back on the podcast.
1: Well, thanks for having me on, John.
0: And all of you, we look forward to talking to you again on a future episode of our Human-Centric Investing Podcast.
1: Thanks for listening to the Hartford Funds Human-Centric Investing Podcast. If you'd like to tune in for more episodes, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, or YouTube.
0: And if you'd like to be a guest and share your best ideas for transforming client relationships, email us at guestbooking at hartfordfunds.com. We'd love to hear from you.
1: Talk to you soon.
0: Investing involves risk, including the possible risk of principal. Fixed income security risks include credit, liquidity, call, duration, and interest rate risk. As interest rates rise, bond prices generally fall. Mortgage related and asset backed securities risk includes credit, interest rate, prepayment, and extension risk. Loans can be difficult to value and less liquid than other types of debt instruments. They are also subject to non-payment, collateral, bankruptcy, default, extension, prepayment, and insolvency risks. The views expressed here are those of Amara Riganti and Wellington Management's Investment Strategy Team, are for informational purposes only, are based on available information and are subject to change without notice. They should not be construed as investment advice. This material and or its contents are current as of the time of writing and may not be reproduced or distributed in whole or in part for any purpose without the express written consent of Wellington Management or Hartford Funds.